right, good morning. Let me ask you, did you live for the glory of God this past week? Could you write over your life this past week, this has been a doxology. It's been a word of glory to God. You're like, are you kidding me? With the week I've had, you know, Jeremy, Jeremy, how, how, how was that doxology going there? It was, it was struggling a little bit. You were there. I, I understand. Doxology. Look at your notes. It says, delight in giving God the glory he deserves. We talked about in Romans eleven thirty three through 36 that we are to live for the glory of God. Give him the glory in word. And there it's laid out for us in eleven thirty three through 36. And then it's in song that 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 is in a song our our giving glory to God is not just words that we say at church but it's also songs that we sing but it's not just songs that we sing at church I'm so thankful for Todd's leadership of our praise music and all of you that are involved in that these songs are our doxology aren't they the songs that we are exposed to they lift up God's glory but we're also supposed to do this in our lives and and how do I give God glory when I'm in a car wreck? How do I give God glory when I have a parent that's in the hospital and, and struggling? How do, I, how, do I make this, how do I make my life a doxology? Well, the answer's there in Romans 12. Look at Romans 12, verse 1. And it's a little phrase that is really the main idea of this four-week series we're going to look at. And, and it's this. It's in Romans 12, 1. He says, I appeal, appeal to you. Therefore, brothers, and then there's how we do it. How do we give God the glory in our lives? By the mercies of God, by the mercies of God. Now, circle in your Bible that word, therefore, therefore. Whenever you see a therefore in the Bible, you always want to ask, now, what's it therefore? And, and I have this up here. It says, therefore, therefore always looks back to what has come before and it always looks forward to what is going ahead. And this, therefore, is a very important one in the book of Romans because it divides the whole book of Romans up into two parts. It points back to chapters 1 through 11, and it points forward to chapters 1 uh, through 16, but especially, or I'm, I'm sorry, 12 through 16, especially 12 through 15. And so when he says, by the mercies of God, notice that that's plural. Now, some Bibles, some of your translations may make it singular, but but it's literally plural, and I think it is plural, because it's the concrete ways that God has shown mercy to us. And so it points back to chapters 1 through 11, and just to real quickly give you four, at least there's four major ways that God has shown mercy to us. And the first is, is in condemnation. You're like, condemnation, judgment, where's the mercy in that? Well, look at each other and say, you're still here. Okay, you're still here. Listen, we cannot understand mercy until we understand judgment. And so in Romans chapter 1 through 3, Paul establishes that all have fallen short of the glory of God. All have fallen short. Jew, Gentile, no matter what your ethnicity, no matter what your ethnic background, all have fallen short of the glory of God and the wages of sin is death. Eternal, spiritual, physical death, condemnation. The mercy of God is that he doesn't immediately send us to hell. 
The mercy of God is that he gives us another breath and he lets the sun shine and he lets the rain fall and he lets us have families and experience the joys of this earth. All of that, there's mercy even in condemnation. Now, the next mercy that we see is justification. And that is in chapters uh, 3 through through 5. Chapters 3 through 5. And God shows mercy to these sinners, sinners like us who are condemned, by declaring them right with him. He shows them mercy by declaring them right with him through the gospel of Jesus Christ by faith, by grace through faith. That's mercy. You can't earn it. You can't deserve it. I'm going to freely give it to you in my son, Jesus Christ. I declare you right with God. Woohoo! Can we say thank you? Yeah, mercy. Second is sanctification. He doesn't just declare us right with God. He begins to make us right with God in our daily lives. And that's chapter 6 through 8. In chapter 6 through 8, he shows mercy to those he have declared right by giving them the Holy Spirit so that we have the power to live right with God. We can have the power to say no to sin. That's all mercy. That's all mercy because I still have a sin nature. And if God doesn't show me his mercy through the indwelling Holy Spirit, I'm going to be consumed by my sin. No matter how much God has declared me right with him, I will not be able to live that out. I will not be able to become more like Christ unless he shows me his mercy with the indwelling spirit. And then finally, election. God showed us mercy in chapters 9 through 11 by showing that though we did not deserve it, God has chosen us before the foundation of the world to show us mercy through the gospel of Jesus Christ. So there's, he says, therefore, by the mercies of God. In light of all that, God has not, though he condemns, us as sinners he doesn't immediately judge us and send us to hell he allows us to hear the gospel be declared right through the gospel he then even lets us be sanctified and he has elected us to show us mercy both jew and gentile but also it's particularly looking back to the mercy that you see in verse 30 look at romans 11 verse 30 Romans 11. So it's looking back at all of that. But if you want to make it more personal, then look at 1130 through 32. And here's what it says. For just as you were at one time disobedient to God, but now have received what? Mercy because of their disobedience. That is the disobedience of the Jews. So they too now have now been disobedient in order that by the mercy, there's the word again, shown to you, they also may now receive what? Mercy. For God has consigned all to disobedience that he may have mercy on all. By the mercies of God, we are to glorify God and his mercy in Christ. Now, by the mercies of God, what are we to do? Well, we're supposed to live Romans 12 through 15. We're to live Romans 12. If you want to know, how do I glorify God's mercy in Christ? Live out Romans 12 through 15. But let me take you to the very end of the book of Romans. Look at Romans 15, verses 8 through 13. This is, this is just so cool how God's word is tied together. Now look at Romans 15, 
and look at verses 8 through 13. In verses 8 through 13, this section is brought to a conclusion in Romans 15, 8 through 13. And so when he says, by the mercies of God, he, he finishes with these verses. Notice what they say. For I tell you that Christ became a servant to the circumcised. Christ humbled himself and gave himself for the people of Israel to do two things. To show God's truthfulness in order to confirm the promises given to the patriarchs. That's a beautiful summation of Romans 9 to 11 that we've studied for 30 lessons, okay? Right there in one sentence. Christ came to fulfill his promises to his people, Israel. But that's Israel. I'm not a Jew. Where am I in God's purpose in this? Look at the next sentence. There's a connector there. And Christ came incarnate as a human being to confirm God's promises to Israel and in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. There we go. By the mercies of God. What are we to do? Listen, right over your life. If you are a believer this morning, I am to glorify God's mercy in Christ. Why do I get up tomorrow? To glorify God's mercy in Christ. Why do I get up the next day? To glorify God's mercy in Christ. Why do I get married? To glorify God's mercy in Christ. Why do I stick in my marriage? To glorify God's mercy in Christ. Why do I go to work and give up my all? To glorify God's mercy in Christ. Why are you and I still breathing? To glorify God's mercy in Christ. Now that sounds pious. That sounds very spiritual. We can all nod our heads and say that's, it's motivating to hear that. If you're a believer and that's not motivating, you need to check your motivator. It's motivating to hear that. But what does it mean? Well, Romans 12 through 15 is what it means. And particularly, Romans 12 is a great place to start. And that's why for the next four weeks, we're going to look at how to glorify God's mercy in Christ in four very concrete ways, beginning with today, and especially next week, moms. It's a message for moms, but it's a message for all of us. But I'm going to make some application for you moms, because I don't know anybody that needs more mercy than mom. Okay, two mothers need mercy here. I don't know anybody that needs more mercy than mom. Okay, okay, a few more, and even a man in there. And I don't know who needs to be shown more mercy than mom. All right, and so you come for that, and all of us will benefit from it. But today, I want us to look at, it begins with worshipful living. The way I glorify God, God's mercy in Christ, is by worshipful living. And that's explained for us in Romans 12, 1 and 2. So look at Romans 12, 1 and 2. Certainly two verses that are worthy of an entire series. But we're going to do it in one, and we're going to just take a look at it and unpack this, because here's the deal. We're to glorify God in word, in song, and in life. And if I'm going to glorify God in life, then that's worshipful living. And so what I want to give for you, in Romans 12, 1 and 2, God has given us worshipful living made simple, but not easy. So when I say it's simple, and I'm going to give you three steps, uh, don't think that we can package glorifying God into three steps. Are you with me? 
Okay, so it's simple, but it's not easy. But we can do it how? By the mercies of God. So let's take a look at Romans 12, 1 and 2. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as living, as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable God, which is your spiritual worship. Worshipful living, that's the idea. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing or proving, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So out of that verse, let's break that down and let's look at, I want to help you to leave here this morning committed to worshipful living. The reason you ought to be committed to doing that once you were condemned, now he has justified you. He is sanctifying you. He has elected you to be saved, glorified with him for all of eternity. So let's take a look at it. The first step is this, total dedication. Total dedication. So the, the first place we want to start out of this is total dedication. Now, already I lost some of you. You're like, oh, I can't do that. But remember, how do we do it? By the... By the mercies of God, we do it. Hey, did you, were you able to save yourself? Are you able to sanctify yourself? Did you elect yourself? Did you, are you the one that chose God or did God choose you? No, all of that. So are you able to dedicate yourself? No. But if God can do this and you trusted him to do that and he did it, then you can trust him to do this. There's really no reason for any believer to leave this room this morning not totally dedicated to God. there's just no excuse because we do it by the mercies of god so let's let's break this down and see what it means first of all it says present yourself to god present yourself to god that's the language of of, of sacrifice that's the language of of offering of worship it's all throughout the old testament it's throughout the new testament i like one verse luke 19 1 it says the angel Gabriel, he introduces himself this way to, uh, to the, uh, at the beginning of Luke's gospel. He says, I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God. I stand in the presence of God. Now, that's not like standing and waiting for a bus. To stand in the presence of God means angels were, were messengers. They were servants. It means I stand in your presence, ready, willing, and able to do whatever you ask me to do. Send me where you want me to sit, go. Tell me what you want me to say. Tell me what you want me to be. I am in your presence. I am offering myself to you. These same words are in Luke 2.22, where Joseph and Mary brought the baby Jesus to the temple to present him before the Lord. See, our own Lord did this as a baby. We did this with Amber within minutes of her being born. Nobody else in the room. Just Gwen lying there, holding Amber, me laying my hands on her, and just saying, Lord, you have given to her to us after many prayers when we didn't think it was possible. You have given us this gift. Now we give her back to you. We totally dedicate her to you. She's yours. We present her 
to you. Do with her what you will. Because after all, he's going to do with her what he wills anyway. We're not giving him permission. We're recognizing who he is and who she is and who we are and simply aligning ourselves with him. And so that's what presenting here. Now, here's what it says in your notes. You have a choice to make in life. And here's the choice that Romans 12, 1 and 2 presents us with. Will I be a worshiper who totally surrenders myself to God? See, there's only one kind of true worshiper. There's only one worshiper, and someone who totally surrenders themselves to God. Well, by the mercies of God, let's break down total dedication or total surrender, and let's break it down into five aspects that we all see just from this one verse. So let's look at it. Number one, by the mercies of God, and basically these five characteristics will, will help you know, have I done this? And it will motivate you to do this. This morning. So let's look at it. number one, by the mercies of God, surrender yourself completely. Surrender yourself completely. It says, present yourself not just any old way, but how does it say present yourself? As a what? As a living sacrifice. As a living sacrifice. You see, the reference there is the Old Testament whole burnt offering. The Old Testament, there was an offering. There was five offerings. One of them was the whole burnt offering, and it was a total dedication of the sacrifice to God. It was a total dedication of the sacrifice to God. In fact, you can read in Leviticus 1 and Leviticus 8 about the whole burnt offering. And the reason it was called that is because the whole offering was given up to God. Some offerings, only parts were burnt on the altar. Other parts were eaten by the priest so that they could make a living. Other parts were kept back so that the worshiper could eat them in the presence of God as a means of fellowship and and a means of worship. So, you know, the Israelites were good Baptists. They had potluck dinners too, okay? And, And you would eat in the presence of God. But the whole burnt offering was totally, totally dedicated to God. And the way you made sure God got it all is you burnt all of it. Whole burnt offering. And so everything was burnt up, and what would happen is it would all burnt up, and as it burnt, the smoke would rise before God, and the Bible says it was a sweet-smelling aroma to God. So, I mean, that's how I, if I get within 100 feet of a barbecue restaurant, there's that sweet-smelling aroma. And I just have to pause and just have to just say, oh, this is just, that's just, that just, that brings to mind so many glorious, wonderful experiences that I have yet to conquer and, and enjoy. It, it, it speaks of delicious delight. It speaks of what will bring joy to my heart and hardening to my arteries. It, it, just, it just brings all of that. Now listen, when you bring yourself totally to God, it smells awesome to God. It smells like barbecue. He, he, he smells that, and it brings a joy, a delight, because he knows it represents a total life surrendered to him. How do you smell to God? And we know how you smell to your mate, friends, but how do you smell to God? When God looks at your life, does he just want to breathe it in, and is he drawn to you? Because your life is totally surrendered to him. I learned this song in the late 80s, early 90s. I'm yours, Lord. Everything I've got, everything I'm not, I'm yours, Lord. Try me now and see. See if I can be completely yours. That's total 
complete dedication. See, the New Testament living sacrifice is a total dedication of yourself to God for his glory, for his pleasure, for his service. I write them all in there. New Testament living sacrifice is a total dedication of yourself to God for his service or glory or pleasure. I'm yours, Lord. Try me now and see. And you say, yeah, but I'm not perfect. Everything I've got, everything I'm not, I'm yours. He already knows you're not perfect. Remember, you were condemned. And he declared you righteous, not because you are righteous, but because he is righteous. He's making you more than what you've ever been. He knows where you've been. He knows where you're going. He's got it under control. He just wants you to get in on the program. All right? Uh, So, of course, the problem with living sacrifices is they keep jumping off the altar. And so let's look at the second characteristic. The second characteristic is surrender yourself practically. Surrender yourself practically. He says, present yourself a living sacrifice. See, We can come and say, oh, you know, at the end of this class or upstairs at the end of our service, I'm yours, Lord, I'm totally yours. And we can sound, you know, just, again, sound very pious, feel very, you know, meaningful about it, be very, you know, just be totally into it. And then what happens Monday? Okay, present your body as a living sacrifice, it says. You see, our bodies are the only way we can practically do the will of God on earth. It's the only way. That's why when Jesus came to earth, he didn't come and float around as a spirit. He didn't come uh, floating on a cloud. He came as a babe. He came in a body. Turn your Bibles to Roman, uh, Hebrews 10. Hebrews 10, 5 through 7. Kind of the back part of, your bio, back, part, back part of your New Testament there. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 5 through 7. Let's see just exactly why did Jesus come? As a human being, there's many reasons, but here's a very bold, clear reason in Hebrews 10, 5 through 7. Consequently, it says in verse 5, when Christ came into the world, he said, now look at this, sacrifices and offerings you have not desired. In other words, he doesn't need more animals to be killed. That's not what he's looking for. When, When the Israelites brought an animal to be sacrificed, he wasn't looking at the animal. He was looking at that animal as a substitute for the person bringing the sacrifice. When we bring our money in the offering plate, when we bring our bodies here to church, he's not looking for your attendance. He's not looking at the amount and the the measuring of your offering. He's looking at how it represents your heart. And so notice what it says. You have not desired these sacrifice and offerings, but a body you have prepared for me. It's it's me you want. In burnt offerings and in sin offerings, you have taken no pleasure. The pleasure is not in what we give, it's in giving ourselves. Then I said, behold, I have come to do your will, O God, as it is written of me in the scroll of the book. You gave me a body, bodies to do the will of God. It's practical. It's total. Our bodies are to be WMRs. You know what a WMD is? What's a WMD? Weapons of mass destruction, okay? Our bodies are one of two things. They're either WMDs or WMRs. A WMD is a weapon of mass destruction. A WMR is a weapon of mass righteousness. You see, God's given us a body so that when we go into the workplace tomorrow, 
We are a weapon of his righteousness, that we are a tool in his hands to bring people to Christ, to do what God would do in the workplace, not what your coworker does, but what God would do. See, you do that all through your body. In Romans 6, 12 through 14, it says, literally, it says, present your bodies as weapons of righteousness. Listen, we're to present our eyes as a lethal weapon. And that weapon ought to see what is right and, 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 and glory and, and look for what is right. Some of us are so negative and critical, we couldn't see something right if it was right in front of it. Because we have eyes that are weapons of destruction, critical, negative, destructive. Some of us are so glued to our computers and pornography that we are being destroyed. Our eyes are weapons of destruction, not of righteousness. Our tongues, same way. Do I build up or do I tear down? Our ears, do I listen to gossip and slander or do I listen to what is right and pure before God? My feet, where do they take me? My hands, what do they touch? They're all to be, I'm to be a lethal weapon. This body, yeah, this body, lethal weapon right here. Not physically, as you all know, but spiritually. And same for you. Number three, Gwen thinks it's a Number three, surrender yourself gratefully. Surrender yourself gratefully. He says, I appeal to you, brothers, by the mercy of God. Two things I want you to see on this. First of all, Paul urges, exhorts, appeals, and begs them to do this. He says, I appeal to you. He doesn't com- it's a command, but the tone of the command is an appeal of urging, begging, exhorting. And that's what I'm doing for you today. In God's stead, I am, I'm begging you. I'm begging every one of us. Please do this because I cannot force you. I can't make you do this. It's an appeal. It's an urging. But you know what? When you look, it's an urging by the mercies of God. How much does Paul really have to beg in light of what God is? In light of what God has done for us to, in Christ, do we have to be dragged, kicking, and screaming to the altar? Do we have to be tied down, yelling and screaming, I want out of here! You know, you go back to the story of Genesis 22 and Abraham and Isaac. Realize how old Abraham was and how old Isaac was. When he was presented at a sacrifice, he wasn't the tiny little boy in your children's story. He was a young man, and Abraham was an old man. There was only one way, other than Abraham sneaking up behind him and hitting, knocking him out, which somehow I just can't picture that. Isaac was a willing sacrifice, voluntarily. Son, this is what we need to do. This is what God has called us to do. We'll trust him. We're going to trust him. And he willingly went there. But also, it's not just voluntary. That number three, it's voluntary because it should be done gratefully. See, here's what you got to understand about the, the whole burnt offering. It followed the sin offering. First, there was an offering for sin in the Old Testament. And then, out of gratitude for the sin offering, you dedicated everything in the whole burnt offering. Well, in our lives, who's the sin offering? Jesus Christ, 
is our sin offering. And as we accept the sin offering of Jesus Christ, then we respond with the whole burnt offering of ourselves out of gratitude. Out of gratitude. Not because I have to, but because I get to. Anyone I'm trusting my... Listen, here's the irony of it. If I can trust him for my eternity, don't you think I can trust him for my life? We forget that. Okay, I'm counting you on getting us out of hell. I'm, I'm counting on you getting me out of hell and keeping me secure from Satan and his hordes. But I just can't quite trust you what I'm facing right now. And we all face that. So what do you think is your most valuable possession in life? What's your most valuable possession in life? It's your life. It's you. you say, well, it's my kids. Yeah, but that's an expression of you. That's you. It's an extension of you. Listen to 2 Corinthians 5, 14 through 15. 2 Corinthians 5, 14 through 15. Here's the sin offering. Here's the whole burnt offering. For the love of Christ controls us. The love of Christ controls us. Because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. That's the sin offering. And he died for all. Why? That those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. Listen, we live, we died in him so that we could live for him. I can't make it any simpler. Died for us so we could live. Listen to Romans 6.13. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, weapons of unrighteousness. But present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from dead to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. Can't you just see Lazarus dead for three days, so bad that he stinketh? And God, Christ comes and says, Lazarus, come forth. And he rises from the dead. Now, can you imagine as they're unwrapping Lazarus, he looks at Christ and says, Hey, uh, I'll think about living for you. Get back with me after I do these other things. Can you imagine that? So what do you think he did? He fell at his feet and he said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Anything. I'm yours. Try me now and see. See if I can be completely yours. Well, there's more we can say there. Let's look at number four. Surrender yourself purposefully. A total dedication is a surrender of yourself purposely. It says, surrender yourself as a living sacrifice, uh, uh, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. You see, here's the purpose. Old Testament sacrifices were to be spotless because they were being set apart for God's pleasure and use. Old Testament sacrifices were to be spotless and without any defect because they were being set apart. Okay, this is for you, God. You know, it's just like when you invite company over, special company, honored company, what do you do? You use the special plates, you get out the special whatever, and everything needs to be cleaned, right? You that host groups, at least I hope you do this, that you clean up before the group comes, and you get things special. Now, think about this. I'm giving my life to God now. What more special? He should take pleasure in this. Now, look at the next point. It says, in Christ, we have already been positionally set apart for God's pleasure. 
We've already, in Christ, we're already set apart. Therefore, we should purposely live like what we already are in Christ. We should purposely live as what we already are in Christ. So I don't want you to get this idea. See, sometimes we, we get the idea that total dedication somehow earns God's favor. Okay, God doesn't like me. God will like me better if I dedicate myself to him. Listen, if you're a believer this morning, God cannot have any greater pleasure in you than he already has. Can I hear an amen on that? If you are a believer in Christ, God cannot have any more pleasure in you than he already does because he sees Christ in you. But because he sees me that way, as totally pleasing, acceptable, and set apart to him, I'm going to jump over here into what I already am. Does that make sense? You're all looking at me like, does it make sense? So you're, you're not doing this to somehow get more of God. You already have more of God. You have all of God. And you're already seen as holy. Now I'm going to start living like I already am in Christ. The second he declared you right with him, you're perfect. You're a, you went from a negative 10 to a 10. And on a scale of 10, there's nothing better than a 10. You're a 10. And being a living sacrifice doesn't move you from a 5 to a 7. You, you present yourself totally dedicated because I'm already totally his. Now, number five. Totally, practically, gratefully, purposefully, worshipfully, worshipfully. Look at look at the last part of verse one. He says, "Present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship." This is worshipful living. This is worship. It flows from a logical and rational choice. It says spiritual. Some of your translations say reasonable. Or logical. It's a logical choice. In light of the mercies of God, what else could I do? It's the most logical, reasonable thing I could do. And then secondly, it leads to a lifetime of service from God, through God, for God. You see, you and I are to live our lives by the mercies of God in Romans 12.1. Looking back, in light of what God has done for me in Christ, the mercy of God in Christ, I will now live a life for His glory. In light of what He's done, this is how I'm going to live, and that's God's will for every Christian. So I've asked Sandra to come and share how she has made a total dedication of herself to God and what, what that's involved. So you can put some... Uh, Come on up here, Sandra. Run up here. I know you're eager. You were bothering me, bugging me about this opportunity, wanting to speak in front of people. So get up here now. Don't don't hesitate. Isn't that wonderful? Let's give uh, Sandra a hand and give God thanking Him for His grace in His life. Now, I, I don't know when you made that decision. It, it, it's just like marriage. There ought to be a time where, where, where you know you made that. For some people, they make it the, the moment they get saved. They're just... They, they, they just totally are dedicated to him. They understand that, and they consciously do that at that time. Some don't do it until they are baptized. And once they understand that really baptism is meant to be this total dedication, 
He says to us in Romans 6, Or do you not know that as many as you were baptized in Christ Jesus died in Him, and, and, and you were raised in Him, and you should walk in newness of life? So some people, it's their baptism. But for most people, there comes a time, a crisis in their life, where you say, Lord, here it is, it's all yours. For me, it wasn't a crisis as much as three months after I got saved through the preaching of God's Word in the corporate worship of God's people. As a, as a senior in high school headed to uh, or uh, headed into my senior year, all these decisions, my life ahead of me, Lord, it's yours. Whatever you want me to do, I'll do. Wherever you want me to go, I'll go. Wherever you want me to be, and I'm st- I, you can't outlive that decision. I'm still living that decision. I'm still struggling with that decision. That decision is the bedrock of every decision I've had to make in every season of my life. And without that... And without that orientation to God, I don't know where I'd be or what I'd be doing. And so when is your time? Well, that's the first step, total dedication. But let's look at the second, radical distinction. Radical distinction. I, I almost use separation, but I don't want you to think that it separates you from the world in the wrong way. I like the word distinction because it speaks of difference. Listen, when you totally dedicate yourself to God, it makes a radical difference in your life. You're distinct. You're unique. You smell great to God, but the Bible says you don't smell so great to those who reject God. Again, I ask you, how do you smell to unbelievers? Do they smell the same aroma of their own lives, their own values, their own kind of jokes, their own entertainment, their own priorities? Is there any difference? There should be if we're totally dedicated to God. Notice two things. Total surrender results in daily choices that, first of all, lead to radical differences between us and the world. He says right after total dedication, verse 2, do not be conformed to this world. Now, that's two things I want you to know about that. First of all, that verb there, that command, has the idea of you are being conformed and stop it. Listen, I don't have to get up in the morning and say, gee, am I going to you know, expose myself to the world and be tempted to be like it? I don't, you don't have to ask that question. You wake up and the world is pressuring you to be like it. Can I hear some nodding, some, you know, just rattle the marbles up there so I know they're working, okay? Are, are you, are, you don't have, stop being conformed. And the word conform is to follow a pattern. Uh, one one uh, Bible student put it this way, Stop being squeezed into the world's mold. Stop being squeezed into the world's mold. You see, when you totally dedicate yourself to God, you start swimming upstream. You've set yourself apart, not to separating in the sense of, I'm too good to be around you. No, I'm in the midst of you, and I am a light that shines in the darkness. That's what we're to be. A radical difference, a change. Conforming is a change from without, and it squeezes us in to the world's mold. But notice, it doesn't only lead to a radical difference. It leads to a radical change from the inside out. It leads to radical changes from the inside out. Instead of being squeezed into the world's mold, we're to be transformed. And transformed, that word in the Greek is the word metamorphosis, a butterfly. An inside job that transform you. So here's, here's the Christian's life. It's, it's a freaky life, okay? 
Because you have this pressure from without moving you this way. And then you have pressure from within, God's power, God's spirit, moving you the other way. And that's Romans 7, by the way. The things I want to do, I don't do. The things I don't want to do, I do. Oh, who will deliver me from this body of sin? Yay, the Lord Jesus Christ. So be transformed. So he's saying, stop being conformed, start being transformed. A violent difference in our lives. That leads to the third. Total dedication results in a radical distinction because of biblical or spiritual transformation. There's a spiritual transformation that takes place from the inside out. Notice what he says. Stop being conformed, but be transformed. How? By the renewal of your mind. There's another phrase to circle. You see, this isn't all passive. These are commands. The, all of these, these, this is what we are to do. And so you, you have this, and you have the spiritual transformation. So by the mercies of God, we totally dedicate ourselves. We begin to see a radical distinction from the world because there's a spiritual transformation taking part that God's doing, but we help in that process by renewing our minds. So notice what it says. Here's two ways to do this. Spiritual transformation requires renewing our minds. And how do I do that? Be word-fed and be spirit-led. Be word-fed and be spirit-led. Mine, 1979, I don't know what year for Sandra, I don't know what year for you. But that total dedication will never be seen in a radical separation distinction unless you're in this book and it's feeding and changing how you think. See, every time I think I figured life out, I read this book and I realize I was wrong. Every time I think I know the answer to a situation or a problem, and then I read this book, I realize I was wrong. Every time I let the world tell me how to run my relationships, how to, how to make things right with people or make things right with God, every time I let the world do that, I read this book and I realize the world's wrong. Listen, if you're going to build a marriage, if you're going to build a business, if you're going to build a life, if you're going to build a family, and you're not in this book, and you're not getting your family and your mate and your fiancé, your spouse, if you're not in this book, then you're not being transformed and you're not being radically different and you're not a sweet-smelling savior, savor to God. you got to feed and lead. And then that leads to second. Spiritual transformation results in proving God's will. Results in proving God's will. Notice how this thing ends. Renewing of your mind, that by the test, by, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. First of all, let me just give you what it says there in your notes. Prove by experience that worshipful living is good for us because it brings glory to God. What's good for you is what brings glory to God. It's acceptable to us because it brings joy to God. What pleases me is what pleases God, in other words. It's perfect for us because it makes us complete in God's eyes. You see, the world says do this so that, you know, 
you know, dally in sin so that you can feel complete. And the world says, and God says, no, live for me. That's where true wholeness is. Everybody that's addicted to sin is trying to find what only God can give. Let me say that again. Everyone that's addicted to sin is seeking what only God can give. Now, let me use this illustration. We get the cart before the horse when it comes to the will of God. Total dedication to God is the horse. The will of God, discerning the will of God, is the cart. And what we do is we put the cart before the horse. So by our dedication, we try to, you know, we try to push around God's will. Now, when you push something from the back and it has wheels on it, what happens? It goes all over the place. And you can't really see where you're going because you're down here trying to figure out the details. But when you put God's will you know, behind your dedication, in other words, when you say, God, I don't care what the specifics are, I'm totally committed to you. And each day as you tell me what to do, I'll just do it because I've already decided I'm going to be obedient. Now the, the horse is leading the cart. And you can see clearly day by day where God wants you to be. So that's the story. And I'm sticking to it because it's here in the Word of God. So what's it saying? Let's end with this. Worshipful living will always lead you to God's best and the eternal reward of living in the gap of God's will. The gap is what's good, acceptable, and is pleasing to God. And so I I just end with this. I, I just appeal to you this morning. When have you totally dedicated yourself to God? If you are born again. When have you dedicated yourself? A total surrender that's intentional. Make it once and for all, and I would encourage you to make it public because that way it's celebrated, it seals it, and it holds you accountable to this body of believers. Secondly, do it continually. Some of you, like me and Sandra, you've already done it, but every morning I say, Lord, I'm yours. I'm yours, and I and I go through my eyes, my my mouth, my my hands, my feet, I dedicate it all to Him. Have you lost that daily surrender? And then thirdly, surrender yourself joyfully. The point is, it's yours to make. And what reason to make it? Amen? So, there you go. Worshipful living. Without it, your life doesn't quite smell like smokehouse barbecue. That's what God wants. Let's pray. Father, we come. And we humbly offer our lives to you. I pray for each person here that if they don't know you, they would give their sins to you so that they can receive your righteousness. They just confess and receive you. And those who have received you, that they, like Sandra, would realize on the other side of total dedication, it comes the freedom to follow and discover your will the joy, the gratitude, the practicality of living for you. So I pray that, if not today, then in this week, that there would be decisions made, decisions that would be made public, decisions that would be celebrated of total dedication, of worshipful living. In Jesus' name, amen.